Joey's big brother, or I should say older brother, Jeff, had a very enjoyable time up there for weekend meetings, and appreciate you that that were praying for me for that meeting. Just uh, uh, maybe just a little bit more on uh, the praise that I gave on the Nicaragua situation. I think the last two weeks ago I was here, and I, I forget which day it was, but it was going to be a big day, and we were submitting documents to the Nicaraguan government, and to my dismay, I still remember where I was and get the, the phone, the voice message that we submitted everything, and they, de- they denied it, and I just, my heart just totally sank. But then there was a ray of hope. They just needed one more document. They needed a, a set of minutes from our board meeting where the officers were put into place. It's, it's amazing what was required, but in, that was a Friday night. In, in about three days, we had the document uh, transcribed, the Nicaragua specs, uh, had it notarized down in Quakertown, up to Harrisburg, got an apostille on it, and one of the missionary's mother flew the document down uh, on red-eye flight, and by Wednesday of the next week, it was back at the government office. So I just was amazed how the Lord put it all together. So I know many people have been praying. Uh, like I said, a few hoops to jump yet before we can wire money and uh, renew visas, but it's a huge step forward. So. I'd like you to turn to with me to Romans chapter 10. I'd like to read a few verses in Romans chapter 10. Before I do that, I'd like to make reference to an intriguing story. Several years ago, I followed an, uh, uh, a story that was on, I would say, world headlines for about two weeks. You may have remembered, you, you may or may not remember the story, but the setting was Thailand. And there were 12 boys from a soccer team that were exploring and they were trapped in a cave by rising floodwaters, okay? And uh, how many of you remember that? Okay, a lot of you do. Uh, I don't know why that just captivated my attention. I just, every day I was just waiting for the, what happened today, what happened today? Because, you know, as, I, as we waited, we knew that, that there were 12 boys and a coach trapped up somewhere in a cave with rising floodwaters. Now that makes that gives well just going in the cave alone gives me claustrophobia but just to to know that the rising floodwater and 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 they're trapped but the the difficult and dangerous rescue mission basically held the world's attention for about 10 days Uh, and it was a very difficult dangerous rescue mission in fact one of the volunteers died in the operation but overall, the operation was, an ex- was a, a success. I remember uh, getting some of the facts about where they were, and you can actually uh, do, a, uh, you can do some research on the story, and it, it is very intriguing. Like, like two and a half miles from the mouth of the cave where they went in, two and a half miles up in some little ledge, they were perched for about 10 days. That's, that's just amazing. The two and a half miles that uh, the, the rescue mission traveled, uh, most of it was underwater. Like a mile, a mile and a half of that was underwater. Some places they went through crevices that tight that they actually had to take the, the oxygen, oxy, oxygen tank off to get through. 
and just stand with me up on the ledge for a minute. Not, not for 10 days, for a minute. And there your life is on the line. And imagine what it was like when I'm told, when I, I read, that they thought they heard something. They thought they heard some voices. And then a, a, a ray of light, it probably pitched dark, and then a ray of light, and there come the rescuers. And, well, we probably could do a 20-minute uh, story on the rescue operation itself, you know, one by one, but just, just put yourself in their shoes. I'm rescued! We're saved! Praise the Lord! Well, I'm not sure if those Buddhist boys said that or not, but then one by one, uh, there, there was a tube that was put from the, the, the diver's oxygen tank to the, it, to the individual, and I think they were uh, harnessed somehow to the person, and they were taken two and a half mile trek, most of it, a lot of it underwater, deep, uh, murky water to safety. Uh, wow, all saved. To me, that is uh, an amazing, amazing story. Saved. You know, I'm, while we are very intrigued by stories, physical stories, if we could step back out of time, if you will, and into eternity from an eternal perspective and watch the, watch the events of mankind, humanly speaking, and we would watch the operation mission of Jesus Christ. You know what his mission was? He said, I came to seek and save the lost, verbatim, Jesus. I came to seek and to save the lost. Now that, the story about the Thai boys from the soccer team, and the, the story of a, of a salvation of a lost person saved for eternity, the story of the Thai boys just pales totally. But we live in this world, and we, it's just hard for us to be so intrigued and enthralled by salvation. So I have a, a message this morning that I, would like, that I entitled, it's, it's a... Three, three words, and it's, are you saved? That's my question this morning. Are you saved? I wrestled quite a bit this week in knowing what the Lord wanted me to speak on, and I was back and forth and back and forth, and, and this is what I just felt. I felt the Lord, and I don't know why he would like me to speak on this subject, but here we go. Are you saved? And I want, if you're saved, I want you to just, uh, Wow. What an operation, what a mission, what a rescue mission it, it, it really was. That's really what I want this morning. And if you're not sure you're saved, there's a lot of people in this world that, that live there. It's not God's will that anyone would live there, but there's a lot of people that live there. They're not sure. And then there's some people that know, that, that, that they know they're not saved. So you kind of fit into, into the, one of the three categories. So question is, are you saved? Romans 10, join me. Romans 10, I'd like to read some beautiful verses, and I'd just like to maybe highlight the verses that, that use the word saved. I'll probably emphasize them. Romans 10, 
Um, yeah, Romans 10, I'm going to start at verse... That's hard to break in. Let's start at verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto them that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love the verses and I trust you do too. So then it, it goes on to another very pertinent subject in light of the salvation uh, topic of salvation, the question of how shall they believe if they not heard? And, and the emphasis is this great big story, let's go and tell how beautiful are the feet of them that carry the good news of salvation. So question is, are you saved? Well, there was a man that was asked that one time, and I, I don't know how you would respond if somebody would say, are you saved? This man wisely said, well, you got to ask me what you mean. I mean, you got to tell me what you mean. Yes and no. Well, maybe I'm uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable, but in a sense, that's true. And then he went on to say, if you are asking me if I am saved from the penalty of sin, the answer is yes. And then he said, if you're asking me if I am saved from the power of sin, I would say, yes, but it's a battle. And then if you would ask me if I am saved from the presence of sin, I would say, no. And actually, when I read that, that helped me understand the, 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 the rescue mission of salvation. I'm told on that two-and-a-half-mile trek that the Thai boys uh, may, uh, had to safety, there was some uh, dry land. And if you had popped in and did an interview with them uh, at one of those dry land and said, are you saved? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> it, was, it was a journey, if you will. But maybe you said, yes, look at him. There's my, there, there's my rescue. Man, I, all my confidence is in him. He got me this far. He's going to take me out. I think it's helpful to understand the, the, the difference between being saved from the penalty of sin. I do believe in justification. Justification is something that happens. It's kind of like a, a transaction on your account. Uh, I really do believe that there is imputed righteousness, that when I call on the Lord Jesus, put all my faith and trust in Jesus, there's something that goes on to my account. I didn't work for it. I didn't earn it. But it is in my bank account, righteous. And then there's a journey. There's a, not only an imputed righteousness, but there's an imparted righteousness, which is uh, you are becoming more and more and more like Christ as you walk this uh, salvation journey, if you will. But we have an enemy. You know that. I do too. We have an enemy, and he is, he is out to, to enslave us in sin. 
He may realize that we have been delivered from the, or saved from the penalty of sin, but his intention is to get us enslaved and entrapped with the power of sin. That's why Romans says, oh, that sin would not have dominion over you, that sin doesn't have power and grips on you. So there's a salvation from the penalty, there's a a salvation or an onward process of the power, and then finally, one day, (laughs) blessed be that day, where we are going to be saved from the presence of sin. No no temptation, no, 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 the the presence of sin is totally gone. Uh, That's beyond our imagination. Uh, Another... uh, a few scriptural references that, that kind of highlight this journey is 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn to it, but you can make note of it. Maybe you know the verses in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, the message of the cross is to those of us that are saved. That's the, that's the, that's the term. We are saved. It's the power of God, okay? So the message of the cross is pretty big stuff to us that are saved. So it kind of gives the, the idea that we are. We are not, not future, we are saved. Uh, Timothy talks about those of us that, that he has saved. He gave us a, a holy calling. In other words, that if I would uh, categorize this section of verses in 2 Timothy, I think it is. It's, it's all about the idea of purpose. We're not saved just to, hey, praise the Lord, we're going to heaven. There's a, there's a purpose behind salvation. God has a great big plan, and maybe we're involved in the rescue mission of another person. But there's a purpose. But I, I, there's an idea that's woven through the entire scripture about being faithful, pressing on, not falling away. There's terminology like, they have fallen from grace. There's uh, warnings about being deceived. We caught that in our, in our Sunday school lesson and so forth. And, and the, I guess the, the climax or the, the real clear uh, scriptures on this idea of salvation is a continual process. Is it Jesus himself in Matthew 24 Uh, Those are amazing verses. He says in the end times, there's going to be many that are offended, many deceived, and the love of many shall wax cold because iniquity abounds. The love of many shall wax cold. Uh, Those are kind of disturbing verses to me. I'm going to be honest with you. that's, That's Jesus himself. Many deceived, many offended, the love of many waxing cold. That's in in, uh, Matthew, Matthew 24. It, when the subject is the, the, the day of the Lord, or the end times. And then he says this. Right on the heels of uh, that, he says, and if, you're, if you want to make notes, it's Matthew 24, 10 to 13. In verse 13, he says, But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And I'm, this is not about <clears throat> uh, uh, soteriology or... or uh, philosophies about salvation, okay? They're, 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 they're out there. I mean, I'm sure you know the word Calvinism, and then there's hyper-Calvinism, and then there's Arminianism, and I believe there's hyper-Arminianism, and th- I, that's not necessarily my subject. Uh, one person was asked, what are you, a Calvinism or an Arminian? He said, I don't even know. <laughs> 
He said, when I need to use verses on a poor, struggling soul that can't believe in the blood of Jesus, I use the verses that the Calvinists use. And then if I'm dealing with a hard-hearted uh, man that's going down a slippery road, I'll use the verses that the Arminians champion. So this is not necessarily a study on uh, salvation or even or theology, but it's, it's just... I want to just park on the, the subject of, of being saved. And I want us to marvel and treasure it. If, if, you, if you're here this morning and you know you're saved, I just want you to treasure it. I don't know what those 12 Thai boys would say if you'd meet them on the streets of Thailand today. I don't know what kind of testimony they'd give. But I hope they would still give a wow. But I want us to just marvel, marvel at salvation. I'm going to read some uh, more verses, and I'm going to make a really simple point. Three really simple points. I'm going to call them A, B, C of salvation. And we're talking about are you saved. I want to uh, fast forward in time to Revelation. You can turn with me to the, if you want, Revelation 20. Or you can just listen in, or you can take notes. Revelation 20. And this is fact. We're talking about this morning. What is truth? This is truth. John saw it. He saw the devil. Cast into the lake of fire. I'm in Revelation 20, verse 10. The lake of fire and brimstone. The beast is there. The false prophet's there. It says they shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Just let that sink in. Lake of fire, tormented day and night, forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne. There's a scene shift. I love the scene shift. Then I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged, every man, according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found in the book of life, I'm sorry, whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's the same same the same uh, setting as verse 10, where the devil and the false prophet and the beast were tormented day and night, forever and ever. Now, verse 21 is a lot better. Then we have another scene shift. New heaven, new earth. Oh, the glories of, of, of chapter 21. God wiping away all, their, uh, all tears from their eyes. No death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Former things gone. God saying, I make all things new. It's done. Uh, okay, I gotta, I, I, I gotta stop. I'm just, I'm just doing the setting. Okay, that's the picture that I want to put in your mind. And here's the, here's the sobering reality. Listen, listen. Everybody in this room is going to be in one of the two groups. There's not three. Everybody in this room is going to be one in the two groups. Every, if you're here this morning, you will be in one of the two groups. Now take that a step further, and everybody in the entire world, there's seven billion what? 
that you're going to be in the two groups. John saw it. He saw it right here. I know there's a lot of discussion could be happening on the different kinds of judgments and so on, and uh, the great white throne. There's a, there's a lot. There's different judgments, but it's uh, to me, it's very simple. There's, there's a book of life, and then if you're not in the book of life, it's not a good end. And it's simple. You're saved. You're in the book of life. Uh, so... Are you saved? That's the question. I'm gonna, I said there's three groups of people, saved, not sure saved, and uh, no, they're not saved. I'm going to broaden it a little bit. You're, you're, you're in at least one of seven groups, okay? You can boil it down to three, but, but I'm going to expand it a little bit. Uh, John writes his epistle, and in John 5, 1 John 5, he comes to the end of it, and he says... I write all these things that you know that you have eternal life. So what's he saying? He's saying that I wrote 1 John 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 so that you know you don't have to wonder. Okay? So I'm going to suggest that there are people that are saved and they just, they know it. They're, it it's, they're, they're at rest. They're, the fight's over. They're, they're at rest. And the battle, I shouldn't say the fight's over. There's, there's still a battle, but it's, they're at rest. Sometimes I like to simplify things. I said, you're either one, now I'm making two groups again. You're either one of two. You're either at rest or you're restless. And the restless people are running here, running there, looking for this, looking for that. They're just, they still haven't found what they're looking for. Or either Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. So either, the first uh, of the seven is you saved and you know it. Then I think there's a group of people that are saved and they're, well, in, in a sense, all this breaks down, but in a sense, uh, all of us are in, ca- in this next category. You're saved, but you're growing in the knowledge of Christ. And I'd like to just bring it down to just a, maybe a new Christian. Uh, I, my experience, and I'm going to guess, most people that I ask this question, I think, I think a 99% rate, I said, do you always feel like you're saved? And the answer is, no, I don't always feel saved, okay? Now we take faith out of the subject. And that's that's what an immature Christian does. Immature Christian isn't grounded in the faith, so they're often uh, just, they're they're struggling. They're saved but growing, okay? Then I'm going to say there's uh, another another, uh, group. These are saved, but they seriously struggle. They seriously struggle believing it. And th- this is a pretty big group of people. From my experience in talking to, talking to people, there's a pretty big group of people that they just struggle to believe 24-7 that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all, all sin. And therefore, they slip into constantly into a works mentality. And they just want to do better and do better and do better. And, and, and doing better and doing better and higher goals is great, but if it's to earn salvation, it's a problem. And I think there's a pretty big group of people in that uh, struggling to believe it, just feeling so unworthy, and in a sense, uh, we do. Then I believe that there's a, people, a group of people that are saved, but they are, they are really dabbling with the power of sin. And they are just... Fr- Frequently, 
frequently going back and slipping and slipping and slipping. And, and I, I would say it like this. They are grieving the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there is a, I'll clarify some of my, my understandings of uh, salvation after I get done with the seven groups. Then I believe that there is a group that has, that has they're, they're not saved, but they're, they're clinging on to a false hope. And that's where all the other religions of the world would fit into. We talked about those that deny the person of Jesus Christ. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. And all the other religions of the world would fall into this category. In, and I would say, uh, any time someone puts their confidence in something less than the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ, whatever that might be, as good as it might be, when merits are in that, uh, it's a false hope. Then there's a sixth group that is unsaved and they know it. They're just blatant deny. Maybe they're atheist, agnostic, whatever. Uh, they just deny it. Deny any, uh, even the truth. And then there's a seventh group. And praise God, I think we have a lot of them here today. They're not necessarily saved, but they're safe. Oh, the precious children. They didn't come to the age of accountability where the, the, the reality of them personally the gap between them and a holy God and the standard, they're safe. They're safe. And this is not about the age of accountability. But I think that's... Uh, so as I understand salvation, that's my, that's my, uh, my take. Maybe it's a little bit more about my understanding of salvation. I don't believe that a person is saved on Monday and lost on Tuesday and saved on Wednesday and, and, and lost on Thursday. I talked a little bit about feeling. Oh, you had your devotions that morning and you, I'm saying. And then a bad day, I just, do you know what I mean? I do not believe for a minute that a person is, is, is like this on salvation. But I do believe. Also, I don't believe that a person comes to the altar honestly in their most genuine way, is sorry for their sin, puts their faith in Jesus, and that it, the rest of their life, it just doesn't matter. That's hyper-Calvinism. Hyper-Calvinism would believe that. You, you honestly come to faith in Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, and the rest of the, it doesn't, you can basically live whatever pattern of life you want to. I don't believe that either. I believe that it all boils down to what you do with the Holy Spirit. I believe that at uh, conversion, that you've given a gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is, will guide you into all truth, and he is always faithful. He is uh, all the attributes of God, uh, still small voice, patient, kind, uh, merciful, gracious is the attributes I'm looking for. But if you grieve him, He's a person, the Holy Spirit's a person. If, he, if he's grieved and grieved and grieved, in other words, if somebody just uh, uh, disrespects you, disrespects you, disrespects you, finally you're not, you're going to lose confidence in that person and probably spend less time pleading. Same way with the Holy Spirit. He's grieved, he's grieved, he's grieved. There's, there's, 
there's a, that's a scriptural reference. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. There's other references, that's, references that say, uh, doing despite to the spirit of grace, counting the blood of the covenant an unholy thing. I think I have that close to verbatim in Hebrews. But it's possible to, to just do despite to the spirit of grace and even counting the precious blood of Jesus just kind of an unholy it, there's no reverence there. There's no carefulness there. There's no tread softly, carefully. Uh, carelessness is the result. And I really believe that it comes to the point where you can actually quench the Holy Spirit. And I don't think it's a... Per, I, uh, it is my attempt in life to never, ever draw the line for a person. That's God's business. But I will say this to anyone that is struggling with the power of sin and maybe coming a little bit careless... Uh, it's a dangerous road, very dangerous road. Hebrews actually talks about, I don't know how, if I'll ever try to unpack those verses, but it almost indicates that there's no hope for a person. There's no return. And I don't, I, I, I generally say if there's life, if there's breath, if there's, a, if there's desire, uh, you didn't cross the line. But I really do believe that it is a very uh, serious subject, what you do with your salvation. We could turn to Hebrews, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So salvation is so wonderful, so great. Uh, I would like to just maybe really, really simply, now I see that I'm, my time is going to be maybe about a minute on each point. Three, A, B, C. You will never be saved unless you admit that you're a sinner. There's your A. And actually, I was, try, I was taking the thoughts that I had and trying to put them in A, B, or C. They are so woven together, and that's my understanding of salvation. It is, it is such, it is, it is a journey, and it's really hard to uh, A, B, C it or, or even uh, develop systematic theology, if you will. The book of Romans, by the way, is the best systematic theology I think you ever find. It starts with simple theology. Uh, I mean, simple, simple facts. Romans 1 and 2 is, builds the case that everybody sinned. Okay, Jew, Gentile, whatever you, you all sin. That's, the, that's Romans 1 and 2. Romans 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and no one will ever, ever be saved. In fact, if you have not come, maybe you didn't articulate those words, but in some way, shape, or form, that's the realization. I did wrong. I violated a holy God. That's, that's salvation. That's the first step. I heard the story of a woman that came to the altar. It wasn't me. Because uh, I'm not sure what I would have done. But a woman came to the altar and says, I want to be saved. Counselor says, uh, wonderful, let's just, uh, let's, let's start with your sin. Well, I never really was a bad person. I just, you know, I'm, I'm not really a sinner. Huh. And then she actually said this. She said, well, if I'm a sinner, I'm a really good sinner. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're bordering there on no hope. I don't know if there's ever a place to send somebody away and say, okay, go get some more conviction, or I don't know, or maybe walk her through. But, you know, I, I actually kind of chuckle at that, but I, it's amazing. And, and I would say if you grew up in a very good home, that tendency, that, that tendency could be there to compare yourself to somebody really, really bad. The, the very first step of, of admitting is just seeing yourself apart from anybody else in the world, seeing a holy God, here's the standard, here's me. Woe is me, I'm undone. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. I have gone my own way. Uh, the iniquity of Jesus was laid on, 
I'm sorry, the iniqu- my iniquity was laid on, on Jesus. He bore, he bore it all. That's the, first, that's the first thing under admitting and that takes the work of the Holy Spirit. It really does. Jesus said uh, nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And that does take a work of the Holy Spirit. You can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk with somebody, but until the Holy Spirit in some way makes a person feel, I have sinned, I personally, and everybody else comes out of the picture, just be, that's, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. And if that's happening ever in your life, that is so beautiful. You know the story of Aaron Burr. I referred, that, I've referred to that before. He's a terrible story where he shot a man in a duel in American history. But the story goes back further. In a revival meeting, he walked out of a revival meeting where God was speaking to him, and he walked out of the church, and he looked up to God, and he said, God, don't ever talk to me again. And at a, at a very uh, late stage in life, he looked at his granddaughter and he said, and God kept his word. I was never convicted again. So the, the, work, the work of the Holy Spirit's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When God's stirring, stoke it. Respond to it. Beautiful. Uh, <clears throat> B, believe. And the gospel story, you, you must believe it. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and the, when the people were grumbling, people were dying, Moses lifted up a serpent and they basically had to look up at that serpent and believe and they were healed. And I'm, I'm only assuming that there was something, you gotta be kidding, me, look up at a snake on a pole, not happening, they died. Believe. Just as, Jesus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. There Jesus Christ is on the cross after unfair trials, after so much unfair treatment. There he is. Uh, he could have silenced the crowd. He could have silenced them, sent them into their huddles, wondering what to say if we say this, we're doomed. If we say this, we're doomed. But he kept, his, he kept silent because he was, on, he was there on my behalf and your behalf. And... He went, he went up to the cross after the scourging, the beating, the crown of thorns. He was up on the cross. And I want you to just see him for a minute with his arms wide open, his arms stretched out wide. And then he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. If that doesn't melt your heart, if that doesn't melt my heart, nothing will. And then the soldier, after he died, after he gave up the ghost, the soldier came and pierced his side into a dead man, and the blood and the water came and fell at the foot of the cross. That scene is holy and sacred. But there it is. That's the gospel. Well, no, it's not all the gospel. They put him in a tomb. They, they secured it. They barred it. And uh, he burst forth triumphant over the, over the grave three days later. And he's at the right hand of the, of the Father today, and he's in and he's praying for me and he's praying for you. He's interceding for us because he knows our weaknesses. He walked right where we are, uh, knows every weakness. That's the gospel. And the B is simple. Believe it. And then the C is confess. You could put some other words there too. Confess, commit. It, this, this, this does involve your mouth. We read it in... in uh, Sorry, Romans 10. With your mouth, confession is made. But we know that the word confess means say, same. 
If you want to break down the word confess, it's say it the way it is. Say same. And so what I, uh, when we were baptized, we gave a confession of faith. We said it. And what we need to do is just our confidence and trust is in Jesus Christ, but we walk out. Our, our our, Our testimony of life is the same. Struggles, absolutely. But we say the same. We confess. We commit. And that involves uh, repentance. That involves consecration. And I'm not doing justice to these points, but I think we got the gist of it, right? A, B, C. It really is simple, but it's really profound. Admit, believe, confess. We're back to the question one more time. I'm going to close. Are you saved? There are people in this room that there is a, there's, there's just an excitement. Yes. Yes, I'm saved. And maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're honestly living in the, I'm not sure. Well, I lived there a long time too. And I don't look down on you at all, but there is, there is a place to get beyond that. And maybe you're here this morning and you know. And maybe, maybe you're safe. Maybe you're safe. I certainly will never put an age, of account, uh, an age to the age of accountability. But maybe there is somebody here that God is speaking to and they want to be saved. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a prayer. We're going to sing one verse. Let's do, uh, no, let's do just one verse of Just As I Am. No songbooks needed, just quietly, reverently, just as I am. And if you're here this morning, you want to make a commitment this morning. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling with the power of sin. Whatever. Maybe you just, want to, you just want to pray with somebody. I don't care what you do. Stand to your feet until I notice. We'll pray after the service. If you want to come forward, that's fine. Somebody will be right beside you. But it's, a, it's a, the loving arms of Jesus open to every one of us this morning. Subject, are you saved? Father, the salvation story is so beautiful. And you care about each one of us. So here we are. And I pray that you will just give each one of us that are saved a deep, settled peace. We come against the spirit of the accuser. He always speaks in a cloudy, accusing voice. We come against him in the name of Jesus. We ask you to speak clearly, specifically, tenderly, lovingly to each one this morning on the subject of salvation. Thank you for the wonderful story, the old, old story that's ever, ever new. Be merciful to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just do one verse, just as I am. And if you would like to respond, stand to your feet or uh, come forward. Let's sing. As I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bids me. To thee.
Amen. God bless you. And one thing, I'm, one thing I know, that this setting here with an altar call, an invitation, is only one way to come to the cross. I know many people that have done it uh, many other ways. So if, perchance, God would be speaking to you, just know this. It's precious. It's priceless. And uh, talk to somebody, pray with somebody uh, while he is speaking. So let's all stand, and I'll have a closing uh, dismissal prayer, and then maybe a verse of a song, and you can be dismissed. Father, thank you again for your great love, your salvation, and those of us that are saved. Father, would you just Im uh, impress on our hearts the rescue mission that you have and any way we can be involved in, in sharing the good news, the, good, the story, uh, the love of Jesus, just empower us to do so. Make us a blessing. And Lord, if there would be somebody here that is uh, struggling and you're speaking to, Lord, just be merciful to them and keep your hand on them. Dismiss us with your blessing. Make us a blessing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.